wherever you're listening from. My name is Phil Dye, and you're listening to Marking the Roll, a podcast uh, for teachers, but increasingly for parents, for even students, for educational uh, administrators, and hopefully for some politicians. And I do apologise for this episode being late. I've been having my cataracts done and therefore haven't been able to see what I'm doing. Uh, Today we'll be looking at the topic of homeschooling. But over the last year, we've looked at many, many different topics. And we've interviewed teachers where their voices have been changed and their identity hasn't been disclosed. Um, So teachers feel uh, okay to tell their stories. We've uh, interviewed teachers about behaviour and the abuse they've suffered. And here's a comment. And at the beginning of the year, I would get sworn at every class. There wouldn't be one day where I would go home without being sworn at. We've interviewed teachers about the, the lack of respect that they're seemingly experiencing now in their, in their work life. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. That's actually one of the points that I feel is probably um, most noticeable is that external influence on us. And it's the respect for teachers in our profession that has drastically changed. And when I think back to what it was like when I was at school, when I first started teaching as well, and to what it is now, and I'm just finding that more and more I'm noticing disrespect from parents in the community about teachers and about our profession and about our application to our job. We've talked to teachers about parents and this wasn't easy because there were some parents who contacted me and they didn't like the fact that they were treated or um, portrayed negatively. But here's what one teacher said. Like. So they can say and do, and I've seen, I've seen worse. I've seen not to me personally, but parents like stand up arguing with a teacher in the playground. I've had parents not in my class refuse to pick their children up for when they've been involved in, you know, hitting a teacher. We've also questioned uh, the bureaucrats and in New South Wales, NESA, the New South Wales Education Standards Authority, about the amount of paperwork that teachers are subjected to. At the school I was working at, at rather, um, of the paperwork involved with the NDIS was, or the NCCD rather, was overwhelming when many of us had more than half of the children in our class on the NCCD. And, and this is a, a bog right. standard school. Like this is not a, a school with not, not a special, not a special school. school. I had a really good discussion with Sylvia Koresh from the New South Wales Department of Education and Training about um, how teachers can be safe at school in the face of escalating violence and bad behaviour and if there was a case for special schools for kids who simply couldn't um, behave properly or weren't suited to, to normal schools. And we, we never, ever agree to abuse or violence for our teachers or for other children. So we need to make sure that everyone in that environment feels safe, whether it's the other children in the class, the child themselves, because they may be at risk of serious harm to themselves, but also the staff members. If there are a student with particular behaviour needs, 
maybe they are um, better better um, catered for in a, in a school with certain sort of parameters. And we've talked to teachers about mind-numbing professional development because that's the way that many teachers have described the mandatory PD that they're subjected to. Rather than focusing on what would make you a better professional and allow you to deliver the curriculum more effectively for the students in your classroom, you know, or, or lead the school more effectively, we're working towards uh, content which may or may not be relevant for our context. Yes, you might have noticed that some of those voices sound a bit odd, and there was one where a man had um, had his voice changed. We changed his voice, so he sounded like a woman. I wonder if you could tell which one that was. Um, yes, there's a lot of different topics have been covered. I guess the most popular were the ones on gender dysphoria and inclusive education. But today we're looking at homeschooling. When I was growing up, homeschooling meant mum or dad sitting around the dining room table simply using the same old social studies textbooks or maths textbooks, but things are very, very different these days. For this, I spoke to Janelle Barnes. She's the president of Home Education Australia, a national body that's based in Perth, and Karen Wilson, who's the creator of Simply Homeschool. Now, both of these women also homeschool their kids, uh, so they are not only the administrators, but they are also doing it. Now, I always ask my guests what their backgrounds were, their educational backgrounds. And when I asked um, both Janelle and Karen, they were both teachers. They both taught in the mainstream school system um, in infants and primary. So they hadn't been in the secondary school system, but they had both done several degrees in education. Now, after asking them the background, I asked uh, what were the statistics showing? Has there been an increase in homeschooling? And I asked Janelle Barnes from Home Education Association first. Uh, it definitely is on the increase. And certainly COVID and lockdowns and um, concerns about the health of their children have resulted in large jumps in the numbers of homeschooling. But even before that time, the statistics that the government has been collecting and putting out, and it's a little bit tricky because they vary from state to state to get a consistent picture, um, but they, the home educating has been on the rise steadily for a number of years, for as long as the statistics have been collected. It's basically in every jurisdiction been really increasing, uh, but there have been some significant jumps in the last few years. Now, Karen Wilson from, uh, she's the creator of Simply Homeschool, had a, a little bit more of a nuanced view of this rise in the numbers of homeschoolers. So the first the first wave into homeschool are actually the all the homeschool wannabes. So all the people who I'd always thought, oh, I'd love to homeschool, but... And suddenly their kids were at home. 
And so I think there was there was a huge wave of people that actually went, okay, if my kids are going to be at home, I know that homeschool is different to school at home and we're going to do this properly. And so they did. They jumped straight into real homeschool and because um, they're quite different, like school at home and the actual lifestyle of homeschool are actually significantly different. Um, and so there were people that actually jumped in properly right at the start. And there's been a really significant stick rate for those people. They um, they started right at the beginning of COVID. They're three years in now and they're like two and a half to three years in now. And there's a pretty high retention rate for those homeschoolers. So they didn't go back to the school system. They may have been they must have been satisfied then in, in what was being achieved at home. Yeah, yeah. So that like that was significantly the first wave. I think the second wave were the people that were quite surprised when their kids got home um, and were doing school at home, um, got an insight into what their kids were doing at school that they'd never had before. And so and there were so then I think when school went back, there was a second wave of people who'd gone actually we're not so sure we want to do that. Like my year four daughter's too scared to ask questions in class. My year seven son's bored out of his brain and knows all the stuff that they're sending him. Um, I'm not sure why we're paying $20,000 a year for this. Um, And there were other, there were quite a lot of kids that had actually found school very emotionally draining and then wouldn't go back at the end of that time at home and kids that actually thrived at home, that families went, ah, actually this is not what we thought and thrived at home. So that was the second uh, the second wave of kids that came out. So in many cases, I guess, those parents would have had to completely change their life. Over COVID, they might have been working from home, but then when when all of that finished, they might have had to either resign from their jobs or go into part-time or something like that did you have that sort of feedback yeah i think i think so so yeah um for all sorts of different reasons mainstream school really hadn't been working all that well the parents hadn't ever intended to homeschool hadn't really considered it seriously but then um after their kids being at home they realized that their kids were actually doing better at home in different like whether academically or emotionally or mentally like whatever that um factor was there were kids that the parents went ah actually this has actually been better for my child i think it's actually um i think it actually COVID itself changed people's lifestyles and gave people a chance to redo the way they did life so according to both janelle barnes and karen wilson there has been quite a large increase in the amount of parents opting to homeschool their kids on the other hand though i guess there were parents who uh, tried to homeschool their kids during COVID and thought gee Oh, this is this is bloody hard. I'm not going to be glad when school goes back. But uh, according to both of those leaders, um, there has been a steady increase. I then asked uh, Janelle Barnes from Home Education Association if there was any students who were more suited to homeschooling than others. 
I think that one of the biggest areas that we see where parents are choosing to homeschool or in some cases feeling like they have no alternative but to homeschool have been in the areas where the ki where kids have special needs or um, neurodiversity that makes it challenging for them to find the right place within the classroom or the school system. So there's lots of parents who are reaching the point where they feel that they're the best alternative for their child is for them to be home educated so that they can get the time that they really need to be able to learn. And sometimes, unfortunately, our systems don't always facilitate that. Even even kids like my own daughter has dyslexia. For, for all of the best efforts from teachers, when she's one of 20 or 30 children in the classroom and there's a combination of kids with different needs and um, demands, what she can get from the teacher to help her is a lot less than what she can get from working with me one-on-one. -on -one. So, gee, what uh, Janelle Barnes from Home Education Association has just said really is that through the changes in the school system, especially through the uh, inclusive education model, we have so many different students in the class that the teacher can't really um, keep 100% to all of them, and some of them miss out. So um, it, for those parents who feel that their um, child is missing out because the teacher can't spend the time with them, uh, homeschooling is a fair option. I then asked um, Karen Wilson from Simply Homeschool if the idea of mum and dad sitting around a, a dining room table still exists. Yeah, so look, I mean, that thing with the mats and the dining room table actually still exists to a fair extent. Um, but it's not just that. Um, it, it's a lot richer than that. And it always has been, but in different ways. So, um, so when I first started homeschooling, which was, uh, 25 years ago, um, there was no internet. And um, we would meet um, with a group of us in somebody's lounge room, like some homeschool mums, um, at the beginning of the year, and we'd work out one thing we'd do each month, and we'd write it on paper, and we'd stick it in the person's photocopier, and we'd all take home the piece of paper with the 12 activities for the year. Um we had encyclopedias, we went to the library. Um, but we, we still did, like, we still did stuff together. So for us, um, we actually had a face-to-face -face community and we met together and did stuff. But it was a lot, um, the pace of life was slower. Like, it was a lot more relaxed. It was a lot, um, a lot less pressured and obviously a lot less technology-based than it is now. Good heavens, an encyclopedia. What on earth is that? I wonder how many uh, households out there have got their 20-volume set of Encyclopedia Britannica from 1967. Um, yes, things have changed dramatically. And I think what Karen was saying there is the, the technology has really made it an equal playing field out there for both teachers and homeschoolers. Um, and I know there's some teachers now thinking, oh, this is all about homeschooling. It's not for me. Um, 
Well, if you listen in after our brain break, um, homeschooling has lots of different individuals contribute to it. It has lots of ex-teachers take small groups in difficult subjects. So have a listen, because if you're all happy in teaching, fantastic. But if you want a way out, and if you want to run your own business, there's certainly an opportunity um, in teaching homeschoolers. Now we have a brain break. For those of you new to the podcast, a brain break gives you a chance to have a bit of a bit of a rest, give your brain a rest. It's great for students as well, great for kids in the classroom. If you want to do that for them, show them a silent movie as for three, four minutes, something silent. Take away one of the senses. This brain break is from Illawarra musician Jossian, and here's a song off the Fellowship of Life collection called For the People. Enough 
Josian from the Illawarra, just talking him up on Spotify, J-O-C-E-A-N, with his song For the People. Now, I mentioned before the brain break um, that there are opportunities for teachers who may want to start their own business. And I asked uh, Janelle Barnes about the different groups of homeschoolers and, and how they get together to provide um, their, their children or the students with a different experience. Oh, there definitely are. And um, there are so many groups and so many opportunities. Um, and those groups come together in various ways. And there's no sort of one size fits all approach of how those groups get together around the country. Um, certainly here where I am in Western Australia, um, there's really very active Facebook communities. And what happens is, for example, one parent will want to take their child on an excursion to somewhere interesting that they think that their child would be interested in and they will contact that um, educational, the, the educational officer at that uh, that location and they're the people who normally coordinate school excursions and they will say hey could we bring through a group of homeschool kids and then they'll put that into the Facebook group and say anybody who's interested in coming on this excursion we went to a great one about molds and fungus at a wildlife um, rehabilitation centre and you know they they put together the excursion that one parent organises it and they and pay it to the centre and then they've organised that one for the year and then next week a different parent might organise something else and the week after that it's a different parent organising it and that means that unlike in a school where kids might only get to do one excursion per um, per term I can be I can take my kid on two or three a week every week because there's that many things going on that we can go and get involved in if we want to Okay, well, that's in Perth. But what about in New South Wales? Karen Wilson. There used to, used to be rules in some states that all the stuff that you said you were teaching had to be taught by the parent in the home. Um, and, of course, this is not actually practical. You can't, you can't teach your, your child to surf in your house. That like you can't, and so those rules have changed now. And yeah, we're free. Homeschool parents are free to um, to access um, whatever it is that's actually going to help us educate our kids, and um, and that takes all sorts of forms. So um, it can be that. Um, that grandma who still speaks Greek really well um, comes for dinner one night a week and talks Greek over dinner so that the kids are learning a second language. It can be um, that you get a tutor who's a family friend or you pay for a tutor online. Um, we have, like, so Simply Homeschool runs online classes um, for different core programs and different activities, um, and they're lots of fun, and we've got, uh, lots and lots of kids um, enrolled in like our art classes and our cooking classes and then we've got um, English classes and uh, science engineering all sorts of different things history okay but what about sport the the movement the physical activity that is so important for the growth of new neurons in in young minds um, and so good so important for socialization I asked Janelle 
there are lots of different home educated sport options and a lot of the people who run sports clubs and programs offer homeschool sessions so there's gymnastics and dancing and uh, martial arts and all of these sorts of things where you can go to a homeschool session but it's also you know my you could also just go and join in any other community sport with kids who go who normally go to school and that's a great way to get to know other kids who might live closer to you as well so my, my children go to dancing they go to dancing in the on after school time slots with other kids and they're the only homeschooled ones that they're dancing at their dancing studio but that's fine everyone's everyone's cool with that and what about drama and school plays i asked karen wilson there's that yes yeah, so look um, and I, I remember I remember Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat and Pirates of Penzance and Cinderella. I loved all that stuff at school too. Um, there's um, there's a few different options. So I know um, like my kids actually um, auditioned and got into stuff with a local theatre. Um, there's lots of options for after-school theatre classes, after-school dance, after-school drama, after, like all sorts of um, out-of-school stuff that a lot of homeschool kids still participate in. Um, some of those companies actually run activities during school hours. So if a group of homeschoolers approach, um, I know like our one of our local dance companies actually runs um, dance classes during school hours because they've got such a strong homeschool contingent that they've got whole classes during school hours. And what about data entry and paperwork, the bane of every teacher's existence? I asked Janelle Barnes. So we don't enter data into systems as such. We do, as I said, in Nessa and New South Wales um, want, want to see a plan. Um, for each home educated child and we have sample plans to help parents put those together uh, when they're getting started but really it's it's to show that you have a plan about how you're going to um, how you're going to progress through making sure that your children meet educational progress okay so there's no uh, great amount of paperwork and data entry although there is some but are there some parents that are better suited to be homeschoolers than others? I asked Karen Wilson. The type of parent that's better suited to homeschooling are, I think there's three things. I think, one, they have the courage to do it. Um, two, they're able to access the support they need, whatever that is. Um, so that can be a whole range of different types of support um, and some parents need, like, just may need another family near them that they're they're sharing the homeschool journey together. They may have an online community. For some parents, uh, they need a greater level of support. They might need a maths tutor. They might need, um, like, whatever it is they need. But they are able to access the support they need. And I think the third the third quality um, is their ability to think outside the box and problem solve stuff that isn't working and get it going again. There are obviously parents who have um, significant challenges in um, in supporting their kids with that, and that's part of the reason we do what we do because um, 
we want to provide the support and curriculum and community that parents need to do this really, really well. And finally, I asked both guests what they would suggest to a parent um, or, or a family that was considering homeschool. Janelle Barnes first. Okay, my, my first bit of advice is to take a deep breath. It's not as scary as it seems. So, so, many, so many parents just start with, I can't do that. I don't know how. I don't know what to do. And even as a, and even as a trained teacher at the very beginning when I was like, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm choosing to commit to this, it was a scary thought that how am I going to plan everything and teach everything? It's, it's not as scary as you think it is. Once you get started, you just, it's a step-by-step thing. You, as a parent, you already know, you've already raised your child. You've taught them so many things in their life. You've, you've taught them how to walk and talk and you've been there and supported them through all of these things. You can also support them through their learning. There's lots of resources available. There's, in fact, more resources available to you than you could ever possibly use. It's just a matter of finding the ones that work best for you and your child and your family. And, you know, and some of, a lot of that is trial and error. You might decide to try out a particular resource for your kid and it might not be, might not be what you want. Um, and you might move on to a different one next year or next month or next week. Um, it doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. You don't need to go and spend a lot of money buying things. There's a wide range of free resources available and there's lots of people who are happy to help you and support you. It's a very, um, I've, I've found the home educating community to be very supportive and inclusive and happy to welcome new people and happy to share the benefits of their experience and include uh, include others you can always um, you know ask ask for help in most jurisdictions your government representative will you know if if there is something that you are finding more difficult they actually would love to give you assistance and advice and you can say this is this is something that I'm finding harder I find that you know my moderator will always if I say I'm just not quite getting it here will give me advice so it's not as scary you can do it and Karen Wilson from Simply Homeschool when you start you want to choose one uh, one mentor, because there's there's a hundred different ways to homeschool, and it takes a while to find your feet. And once you find your sweet spot, it'll be your own individual family way that it works. Find yourself a mentor that you go. Actually, I like the way that works, and and use that to get yourself started, like to try and get into it and start to find your own sweet spot. So so one is your mentor and your support person. Um, that's one key. And the other one is your community. And you want to find enough community around you of like-minded people, whether for, your, for a parent that may be mainly online. There's a lot of, um, like we have a community, a Simply Homeschool um, community group that's a support group, but um, there's lots of homeschool community groups online. And for your kids, um, that can be a variety of things as well. So that might just be... Um, Looking at different, if there's no other homeschoolers in your area that you know yet, um, trying to find if there are any. 
looking for um, after-school activities where they um, connect with other kids. It could be um, scouts or church or community groups, sports groups. Um, and it could be finding some online classes for them. It could be signing up for camps so that that gives you an opportunity to meet other people face-to-face so that your kids know this is a real thing. The one thing that we say to all parents who start um, start homeschooling with us is you know your kids and you love this you love your kids you want the best for them and we'll walk this journey with you and you've got this and I'd like to thank Janelle Barnes the president of Home Education Association based in Perth and Karen Wilson the creator of Simply Homeschool. And links to both of those organisations will be on the episode notes wherever you get your podcasts. Now, it struck me that um, the parents um, who are deciding to homeschool their kids certainly have the very best interests of their kids at heart. And there's several sorts of parents when it comes to this. I guess there's the parents who are completely happy with the school they're in, whether it be a public school or a private school, they say, okay, well, there might be a couple of things that are not quite right, but but 95% of it is really good, and uh, my child is happy there, and I'm happy there, and hopefully that's the majority. Then there's those who say, okay, well, my child is a little bit different. I know they're a little bit, little bit hard behaviour-wise sometimes, or perhaps they're a little bit um, unusual, they have different interests, and homeschooling is going to be the way that I go. And that's great, because they're realising... It's going to be best for their kid. Um, and then there's the ones who look at what's happening in an education system and say, well, uh, the poor teacher is so uh, busy, struggling to cater with all of these different kids in the one room with inclusive education that um, my son or daughter is suffering. So I think I might do a better job um homeschooling. Now, that's no real reflection on the teacher because the teacher is trying very, very hard. It may be more of a reflection on a system. Um, But they opt to do that, again, for the sake of the kids. Um, But there's also a certain idealist, those who say, well, I was educated in a public school, so I'm going to send my kids to a public school. Or I was educated in the Catholic system, so I'm going to send my kid to the Catholic system. No matter how bad, difficult those those might be, or, or and no matter how much it doesn't suit their child, but they uh, stick with this ideological way of thinking. Um, and I think what homeschooling shows us is that there are different ways of uh, being in an education system. And we don't have to stick with one thing that we perhaps grew up with. Of course, there's also the parents who don't care a very small minority a very very small minority and unfortunately those parents are probably the ones um, who really do make it challenging for everyone else what this episode has also said is that if you're thinking of a bit of a career change or to get out of the system whether private or public system that the homeschooling system does have opportunities for good educators and if you wanted to create your own business there are certainly um, opportunities out there within 
the homeschool community. It's being an expert in science, being an expert in maths and taking groups of homeschoolers um, for individual lessons. Now, next week, I'm supposed to be interviewing the candidates for New South Wales uh, for the state election in Prue Carr, the uh, Labor Shadow Minister for Education, and Sarah Mitchell, the current Minister for Education, and the Public Education Party. Now, I have contacted both Prue Carr from the Labor Party and Sarah Mitchell from the Liberal National Party three times each, asking for an interview and sending them the questions that I would ask and promising I would stick with those questions. I have had no response from either of those, um, which tells me that perhaps things won't change that much. Whoever wins government. Um, I saw an interview with Prue Carr on the TV last night and, look, it was the same old generalisations. It shows a lack of real um, knowledge of what's going on in school. So we know Sarah Mitchell, she's great with the um, with the generalisations too, but I think she has a little bit more knowledge of what's happening, and that's probably why she won't come on the podcast, because she knows that I'll ask about that. But anyway, I've asked everyone. I would like it that if uh, the media people are listening for the urge your candidates to come on to the podcast. I've already spoken to the Public Education Party and they're dead keen to come on the podcast. So I will give uh, both um, Prukar and Sarah Mitchell another week, which means our next episode will be on the university sector. And if it's really worthwhile, a student going to university these days, seeing that the quality of education the university sector has decreased so much that um, expectations are now so low in many courses um, and campus life is certainly not what it used to be. So I'll be talking to uh, some lecturers, some administrators about whether university really is worthwhile these days. And if there's any lecturers out there who want to share their experience, uh, please uh, email me, phil at markingtherole.com.au, phil at markingtherole.com.au, and um, you can anonymously give your story or you can leave your information also verbally through our website. be great to hear some of the, uh, the horrible tales of teaching in the university and the decline in standards. Marking the role is volunteer run. I don't get paid, uh, although we do have uh, many, many expenses, including transcription, uh, website expenses. Um, and if you'd like to become a member, you can just go to our website, markingtheroll.com.au and click on the little yellow coffee cup. Uh, because Facebook and Instagram will be changing and will be charging fees, um, we may well be going to another social media platform rather than stick with Facebook. So, um, the podcast will be available via the Substack platform within a couple of weeks um, so we'll be trialing that platform as well of course it'll be on spotify and apple and all of the the usual platforms as well nothing like that will change uh, also remember that if you have any stories uh, you can um, tell your stories and give us some any news tips 
totally confidentially. We'll change your name, uh, we'll change your voice, or you can just give us a story using your voice um, via the Marking the Role website. My name's Phil Dye. You've been listening to Marking the Role, episode 24. I'll see you again during episode 25.